0: 20% off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Jeff Miller of Vantage Point Archery, VPA. And it's a good conversation, man. Uh, th- these guys are. A broadhead company that kind of spawned, like most outdoor or, or hunting industry companies do, out of another company. So there was a, a machining company that did whatever it is that they do, and a guy goes, hmm, and this guy is is Jeff Miller. He's just like, you know what? Well, I I started uh, shooting traditional archery. I, I you know I think we could make a broadhead, and out spawns. VPA, and what's cool about VPA is that they are a a single, they are a single machined broadhead out of one piece of material. And now I know that there's some other companies out there that have similar products, but not all their products. And so today is a really good conversation about how the company started, about uh, their their product design, their engineering, their testing, and all of the, the, all the SKUs, as well as, uh, you know, how they got to the point that they're at today. And it's just a really good conversation about an American company being successful in their said space. And, and we all like to hear stories like that. So awesome episode, huge shout out to those guys for taking time out of their day to hop on the phone and, uh, and chat with me. I'm gonna keep this quick as it is, what time is it? It's like 9.30 at night and I coached football tonight and then I had to take my daughter to dance and here I am. So uh, I gotta finish this up quick and we're going tethered. If you're looking for a badass saddle, go check out tethered. You know, I'll just say this, they got everything you need to become a saddle hunter they also have the educational information that you need as well so if you want to learn how to become a better better saddle hunter and not just have the gear then you definitely need to check out saddle or uh, tethered because they're they're excuse me they're the place to be uh hunt stand again um, an app that allows you to do so many different things right it allows you to obviously look at up-to-date satellite imagery, look at uh, land ownership, look at all the stuff that all the other apps have. But the best thing about HuntStand is it allows you to index tr- or, uh, uh, yeah index trail camera photos, it allows you to check out rut dates. I mean, the functionality is ridiculous. Go to HuntStand.com, read up on all the functionality, and while you're there, check out the Pro Whitetail platform upgrade as well. It's uh, If you're a serious outdoorsman, you're gonna like that. And then last but not least, we have, what do we got here? Oh, we got Tacticam. And so uh, Tacticam is an action camera and it can mount to your bow or your gun. The new 6.0 version has image stabilization. It has an LCD screen, it records in 4K. Overall, it's badass and uh, you need to go check it out. My favorite part about action cams is you can record your hunt. You can bring that footage back, show your kids, show your wife, show your, your friends and family, and, uh, and basically they, they won't call you a BSer anymore, and uh, you can actually uh, actually show them what you, what you saw. Uh, so go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Uh, huge shout-out to Jeff for taking time out of his day. Huge shout-out to all of you for taking time out of your day uh, to download and listen to this podcast. Do me a big favor and go... Uh, leave a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. I would really appreciate that. And uh, that's it. Let's get to today's episode. Three, two, one. All right. On the Hunting Gear Podcast with me today, Mr. Jeff Miller from Vantage Point Archery. Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. Hey, are you a turkey hunter?
1: Well... I'm planning on going to West Virginia in about two weeks and see what I can kick up down there.
0: Yeah, uh, is is turkey hunting at the top of your priority list every year, or, or like uh, for, for me, it's it's on the bottom. I'm a whitetail guy first. I'm a I'm a turkey guy second.
1: Yeah, I don't do a. It's not my top priority, but it's kind of nice to be able to get out in the spring when everything's. Flowers and everything are blooming. And, oh yeah, and be out there in the wilderness. I'll
0: tell you what. Something about a turkey gobble getting really close and then being able to hear them spit and drum, man. That's yep. That'll get the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Vantage Point Archery. That's the 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 topic today. Here, we're going to talk about this company. Um, why don't you tell first off where where is Vantage Point located? It's located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so how long have you been with the company and what is your role in the company?
1: Well, uh, basically, uh, it's part of, it's separate, but it's part of absolute machining and I'm a machinist. Okay. And so I've been working for absolute machining since 2004. And, uh, and since I'm a machinist and I'm a bow hunter, I did start getting into traditional archery. Archery about uh, around 2000, mm-hmm. and uh, so being a machinist, I kind of like to make my own things and improve products and yeah. stuff like that. So basically, we started uh, in 2009. Uh, we started up the company Vantage Point Archery. Okay. And uh, since I, I designed a broadhead on one of our rotary indexers machined out of solid steel. And so most of your broadheads are multi-piece, four or five piece, separate blades and everything. And yeah. those, can be, those can be weak points mm-hmm. in the broadhead itself. And being able to make it out of solid bar stock is uh, an advantage in being able to heat treat it and everything all one piece and it after a lot of testing and everything uh it just held up really well and you can uh basically shoot multiple animals with them and just keep resharpening them so yeah. they are extremely durable and easy to sharpen and and uh being able they make, they may cost a little more you know in the beginning but since uh, you can keep resharpening them, the more you can use them, then yeah. the cost radically goes down. So
0: Yeah. All right. So you started with the company as a machinist. You're also a traditional bow hunter. And, and then was, was this just something that started off as you tinkering around with something? Or did you have a goal of, of starting a broadhead company?
1: I didn't really have a goal to start one, but uh, I shot uh, cut-on-contact broadheads that were basically multi-piece, uh, silver-soldered braced together. Yeah. And you know, I got looking at them and thinking that, well, I could machine these and make them one solid piece and eliminate any of the weak points, and and uh, being able to use different types of steel and uh and that's basically where it started and so I tried to make some prototypes and basically I was I was shooting a 250 grain broadhead and uh with building it up with inserts and everything to get the weight up there and and so that's kind of what I started off making is the 250 grain 3 blade okay and then uh that worked out really good we did a lot of testing shooting it different media and stuff and it held up really well and so so we kind of this over right after that we pretty much started uh vantage point archery and then the product kind of got out there by word of mouth yeah for basically several years and yeah and it just kept growing and every year we kept adding more weights and designs
0: and everything till we're here where you are now so okay let's talk a little bit about that that uh, machining process uh, of one solid piece because I believe there's uh, a couple other companies who machine one solid piece or, or or broadheads out there that machine one solid piece for their broadheads. What is it you you mentioned weak points uh, in in design? What is it about a solid piece that makes it more durable?
1: Well, like I say, there's there's no uh, joints on it where it's silver soldered together where. When something's going to break, when you hit something hard or bone or something, it's going to usually snap at the joints okay. where it's put together. And since it's made out of solid bar stock, there's no joints that are soldered together or anything. So right,
0: it makes it stronger there. Yeah. So when you were doing your prototypes uh, and, and doing your testing, what did that testing look like? Because obviously, you know being in the a machinist you can't just go hey i've designed this let's start a business it's, it's not really that simple there obviously there had to be some testing and some you know some some uh, uh 2.0 versions 3.0 versions of the broadhead to get it to uh, a quality where it could be sold to the public and it would actually kill some deer so what did that testing process look like for you guys
1: well basically you we had the original design and we did a few prototypes and heat treated them and got them ready. And then we did some testing on shooting a different media cinder blocks, uh, basically 55 gallon drums, metal drums and stuff like that. Yeah. And doing some penetration tests on different things and seeing how they held up and, uh, basically doing a little tweaking here and there and, uh, to improve the performance and durability Mm -hmm. and trying different materials and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's basically a continuous improvement year after year, but the original design, there wasn't a whole lot that had to be done uh, to the original design to make it work good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the, uh, the uh, experience in doing that was trying to get packaging and, and had to come up, you know, with the name for the company and everything else. So,
0: yeah. Um, so the actual design so, of the product for it, the, the way you're making it sound, the design of the product, the creation of the product was the easy part.
1: Yeah. The first one, um, I mean, a three blade broadheads pretty much a three blade broadhead. Yeah. And it's just a matter of uh, like, pyramid in the point so it's not a needle point and stuff like that to make the point stronger mm-hmm. and since it's pretty much you know it's just a one-piece machine broadhead you don't have to put it together so yep. and uh when it's just a matter of trying to get the the length and the width and everything so you decided on an inch and an eighth was a good uh place to start yeah. where you, you have you know it's legal in every state and it's not too wide to, you know, hinder uh, penetration. It's it's not too narrow to get a, a good blood trail. Yeah. So, and from there, we just went with different weights that people are asking for. And,
0: okay. Yeah. I want to talk about this process, this machining process. I, I find machining really interesting because, obviously, you can machine a rim for a car. And you can also machine like large objects, objects. But then you can also machine something as small as a broadhead, if not smaller. And so there are a lot of there's a especially in the thread of the broadhead itself. Talk to us a little bit about the intricacies of machining a broadhead out of a solid piece of metal. Well,
1: uh, basically, to make the the blank for the broadhead we have to use a lathe mm-hmm. and we all have cnc lathe. so we're basically making the blank out of solid bar stock so we get uh we get we used to get 12 foot bars in and we'd have to cut them into four foot that would feed through the lathe now now we're getting uh we have automatic bar feeders and everything since we've grown and so they cut them in three foot lengths from uh the steel supplier, and then uh, we just load the uh, bar feeder up with whatever size stock we need to use. So if we use like inch and eighth, it'll uh, it'll push that bar, however much, however long the rod it is, through the spindle of the lathe, and then it'll create that original profile of the of the cone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after we did that. We had to figure out a way to hold on to the blades to fixture it up to uh, machine it yeah. on, on a rotary indexer on a CNC mill, and then a, another operation to hold on to those blades and machine the uh, threaded portion. Okay. All right. So, and we've modified that over the years till we come to the point where it seems to be working the best, most consistent. Spins the truest and everything right off the machine. So
0: gotcha. Okay. Uh, and, and so the obviously the machine that does the machining has to be very deep, like, like precise. I take it.
1: Yes. Uh, the machines that we're using now uh, are made by Akuma, and uh, they have a two-tenths, two tenths, two two tenths of an inch tolerance, point zero zero okay. zero two. Okay. So it's, it's uh, a very fine tolerance. State. They're extremely
0: reliable and, and rigid machines that we use the machine with. So. Okay. So as you guys, uh, you know, you're, you're messing around with the prototype, you do the testing, you say, hey, let's take this to market. You, you finally get the name uh, Vantage Point Archery. Uh, you get the packaging and all that stuff. What was the initial reaction from the, the public uh, about the podcasts or excuse me about the the broadheads that you guys released
1: well like i say say was all word of mouth and we pretty much gave some away and for people to test and everything and and people loved them so much that they said well you need to make these for everybody because i was pretty much originally started making it for myself yeah and uh so the different people that we gave them to, to test and everything and try them. They, they really liked them. And, uh, so pretty much went from there. I mean, we had, like I say, we had one guy originally shoot 21 hogs with the same broadhead and he just finally retired it. Wow. So if you, as long as you don't lose them and you know, like, <laughs> right. Which is catch 22 for us because, we not we want to sell more, but
0: yeah, you
1: know if if they don't lose them, they, they hold up
0: a long time, right? And so, uh, so it was just kind of word of mouth that started the company. Uh, and and how yep. many how many products how many heads did you bring to market initially?
1: Well, initially, uh, like I say, we started out with that two hundred and fifty grain, and then uh, from there, you know, a lot of a lot of compound shooters wanted a lighter weight, and so we went down, went down to uh, 175 and 150, all the way down. At one time, we made 85 grain. Right, but uh, our standard now is from 100 grain all the way up to 300 grain. Okay, so it was like I say, it was all all word of mouth for quite a few years. We didn't put any money into advertising or anything, as pretty much all word of mouth. And and then other companies seeing, well, could you make us a broadhead? You know, and then they, they'd label it there, you know, for them and however, whatever they wanted to name them and everything else. So it just
0: grew, it pretty much doubled from the first year, every year to now. Gotcha. Oh, so, so your guys' company was not only making vantage point heads, but you guys were doing other work for other companies making their heads as well.
1: Yes. About after about three or four years, other companies noticed our heads Yeah, and and was wanting us to design some for them. And, and so they can pretty much have the same products. We is, we is the very first company to actually make, a three-blade machined
0: broadhead, fully machined. Yes. Okay. All right. And so, uh, company,
1: go yeah, ahead. There's companies out there that made uh, that made cast broadheads. Uh, MIM technology, which is molded, yep metal injected, but that's a totally different process. It's a little more porous and everything. So,
0: using solid bar stock, it was. A stronger product okay all right um are you allowed to say what other brands that that you made for uh
1: some of the newest ones i i can't really say but i mean we've made we've made some for custom king free rivers archery we've made uh some for rocky mountain specialty gear we've We made. There's some newer ones that we're making for other companies. Yeah. Um. So, and then we started. I mean, like I say, started word of mouth here, locally, and and now it's it's worldwide. Yeah. And we ship all over the world
0: now. So. And this is this is an American-made product. Yes. Okay. It's all made in Indiana. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So, what was the initial reaction from the people who used them? You know, you gave some away for free, this company started, and then, you know, you really almost have to wait a hunting season to get the feedback from the people. Uh, what was the initial reaction from the public after uh, after the first release?
1: Well, uh, basically, everybody that we gave them to to have them try, they, you know, they, they really liked them and saying, you need to go public with this and yeah. start selling them commercially and everything. And yeah. we thought about it. and everybody liked how durable they were that was that was the main things how durable they were and right and super easy to sharpen and and how they uh spun through and everything right from right from the get-go and yeah and so everything was word of mouth and uh for for several years there and it just kept growing and until uh we had to hire more people and yeah (laughs) Because I was the only one, pretty much, making them, and from the beginning
0: for the first few years, and okay, so I was had my plate full. Yeah. So, okay, out of that initial response, then, what were what was the next step? I mean, was it just different styles? Was it different weights? Uh, because obviously now you guys have uh, you know three blades, two blades, you have uh, single bevels, you have. Uh, double bevels i believe two two yeah. yeah double bevels and so you have you have a variety of lineups now uh, in your lineup uh what was the next thing that people were asking you to build
1: well basically after the initial 250 grain like I say uh, the next step was to make different weights of yeah. basically the same design uh a lot of people don't understand. You got to match the grain weight with, without making the blades too thin. So if they want a three-inch-long broadhead at a hundred grains, it's basically impossible to do because if you make the blades that thin, it's not going to be durable anymore. Right. Right. So you have to. It's a. It's a process where you have to design whatever weight you're looking for. You have to change the length and and stuff like that. Possibly the diameter. So if if everybody wants an inch and eighth, you gotta pretty much play with the weight or with the length and the blade thickness a little bit and the ferrule length stuff like that to get it to weigh right and
0: still keep it durable. Okay, so it's not so a lot of the the. Uh, numbers on that broadhead change as you go up in grains it's not like you're adding just more mass to a single blade all the dimensions are changing right okay pretty much all the dimensions are changing when you go from one weight to the next is that comp is that a complicated process or is all of that just done in the design room it's it's uh the difference between design and actually
1: machining the prototype and seeing, and you can, you can kind of guess what it's going to weigh yeah, and get, get a fairly accurate uh, volume measurement and everything from the broadhead. But uh, the real test is when you actually go out there and machine it and uh, see what it weighs and say, okay, I'm going to have to make it uh, like an eighth inch shorter to get the weight to to where it needs to be, and keep the blade thickness and the diameter, you know, yeah. the same stuff like that. So, okay, it's a process in the in the prototype
0: between design and machining it. Yeah, this is a this is a random question, Uh and I maybe it's a dumb question, but I uh what is the difference then between a a broadhead that is one hundred and twenty five grains and a broadhead that is uh 200 grains but they both have the same cutting diameter
1: well that's where the length would come in and the the length of the ferrule also okay so you can adjust the length of the ferrule so there's a lot of weight in the center of that broadhead from the ferrule because it's all one piece it's not hollowed out like some of them with inserts in them okay so you can adjust the length of that ferrule and we try to keep the uh diameter of the back of the ferrule uh 516 five sixteenths was pretty much a standard diameter for a lot of the shafts yeah and uh, so yeah you just that length Adjust the total length of the broadhead itself how long the blades are so if you if you want a 40,000 thick blade uh you can't change that too much to adjust the weight And keep the length the same so you gotta adjust the length in the
0: of the blade and the ferrule to get pretty much what you're looking for okay all right um and so you just started making different weights uh and dimensions of the same broadhead when did the 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 two blades come out when did the the next generation or the next skew of uh broadheads come out so
1: after we made uh I'd say four or five different weights in the three blades. Uh, people were asking, could you make a two blade? Mm-hmm. So um, so I started experimenting and, and designing a, a two blade and and started out with a double bevel and uh, trying to keep the blade thickness where it needs to be to, to be strong and, and pyramid the tip or basically a tanto tip. I had to figure out, ways to hold on to them and pretty much the same process as a three blade but uh it's just pretty much what people were asking for yeah in different weights diameters and styles so got gotcha. so we made the two blade for uh a few years and then then the latest thing was the the uh, single bevels that uh, people were wanting and then of course with the single bevel you got a a right bevel and a left bevel so whatever you make with the double bevel you know it you don't have to make two different styles of that it's just double bevel for yeah you know a standard two blade but yeah so with the single bevel you had to make a you know pretty much the most popular would be the right bevel but it's all going to depend on what type of fletching you use and whether it's uh right offset or left offset or helical or whatever. So you got to have the bevel matching which way your arrow's spinning. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to counteract what you're doing. Okay. With if you get wrong,
0: if you use the wrong bevel. Right. So just for example there, if you're shooting a right bevel, a two blade, right bevel, what way does your fletching, what way do your fletchings need to be on your? So,
1: so on a right bevel, uh, it's going to, when the broadhead impacts, it's going to twist to the right, be a clockwise mm-hmm. motion. So you want the same motion coming off your bow. So you want either a right offset or right helical uh, fletching to spin the same way
0: as your broadhead's going to impact. Okay. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right. And so... The next question I have here is, how many people are asking you to build these things? It, it must have been a lot because if some dude, just one guy's like, "Hey man, I think you should make this broadhead," I, I don't see a company bending over backwards for a single person. So it must have been several people asking for the same thing.
1: Right. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of. Yeah, it used to be you know, when people didn't don't understand what it takes to actually design and come up with a broadhead that's actually going to work and weigh and everything to come out right. But so you have several people asking for the same thing and, and you say okay, so it's probably about time to see if we can design something to satisfy right. these people. Right. So, okay.
0: All right, so I, I got to ask this question. On on some of your broadheads, they're solid, right? There's no, I don't know what the term is, but there's no holes in the blade itself. Yeah, vented, vented, vented not Yep, yep, vented and non-vented. What is the difference between vented and non-vented blades, and is there any type of performance uh, difference between the two? Well,
1: personally, I like the non-vented, uh, but That's another one of the issues when you're trying to make a longer broadhead and get the weight correct. Mm -hmm. There's no other option except to either vent the broadhead or pocket it or or something. Take some of that material out. The material's got to come out of somewhere in order to get the weight down. Gotcha. So so that's uh, basically the same process. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much to get the blade length where you want it and get it to weigh correctly uh you gotta cut windows in the in the blades and there's a little there can be a little bit of advantage on windy days with a vented broadhead if you got a side wind that's blowing hard Mm -hmm. but for most purposes it doesn't make much difference in how they fly yeah but uh a non-vented broadhead is going to be a little stronger because you're not cutting any holes in the blades. Right. And plus a non-vented broadhead is going to be a little quieter. That was my next question.
0: Yeah. Because there's no air moving through the vents. Yeah. Do, do you guys do any noise testing?
1: Yeah, we've had several people test, you know, for the noise and stuff and you get all kinds of, of remarks saying, and a lot of it has to do with, how their bows set up and, and how their arrows tune. Yeah. Uh, and what people are hearing. Some people say, well, I get a, a whistle. And other people say, I can't hear anything. Yeah. And yeah. you can, for all practical purposes, it's, it sound I mean, your fletching is going to make about the same amount of noise as the broadhead itself. Okay. So uh, a vented broadhead isn't loud but you can you can hear possible air noise passing it okay it, it doesn't actually whistle or anything yeah unless your setup's
0: incorrect okay um because in in the past man I, i've i've shot some broadheads that were dead silent with mm-hmm. the same arrow setup and then i've i've shot some uh broadheads in the past that i could definitely hear them leave my bow all the way to a, a 50 yard shot just yeah you know yep and I just yes. for some for some reason I could not get behind that broadhead I'm like a deer is here if I can hear it a deer's definitely hearing it and they're dropping out of mm-hmm. sight they're already gone at 50 yards with my arrow arrowway yeah. and so I just couldn't get behind them um
1: well, that's where we had the – some broadheads, their vents uh, can be louder than other vents. So yeah. that's where we had to design an experiment and uh, see what was going to be the quietest and, and the strongest to, to make the blades structurally s- strong. And so it's kind of a compromise between the two. What's the quietest and strongest that we can make? So,
0: Okay. So... Uh, it's almost like an equation. If, if you try to make it quiet, it potentially, especially with the vented ones, if you try to make it too quiet, you may lose some durability or some strength in it. And if you, if you add too much strength into it and, you know, based base the vents off the strength, then it could potentially be too loud. Correct. Okay.
1: Basically right. the, uh, if, if you can make the vents as big as possible, uh, and still have structural integrity, those are going to be pretty much the quietest. Gotcha. If you have real small vents and make it so you have all these ribs in there to, to help the structure of the blade retain structure, they can be a little louder the smaller they are. So it's gotcha. kind of a compromise
0: between the two. Gotcha. Is there such thing as a perfect broadhead from a, de- from a design standpoint? Well,
1: there's a, there's a three-to-one ratio that is it, it's, it's all going to depend on your setup and everything. Uh, a lot of people say, well, you got to have a three-to-one ratio to get the best penetration
0: that you can have. What's the, th- the three-to-one ratio? Explain that. So the
1: three-to-one ratio would be whatever diameter. Let's say you're using a one-inch broadhead uh, cutting diameter. The three-to-one ratio would be three inches long. To the one inch diameter okay so there's there's a, a line you got to draw like say it's going to have to deal with the weight and the length and the, and the structural integrity the main thing that you need to have in a broadhead is structural integrity yeah. if that goes if, if it breaks you're done so yeah you're not gonna get any penetration if your broadhead breaks when it hits a rib or something right so uh anywhere from basically one and a half to two to up to whatever you want basically to three inches you're gonna as long as it's uh structurally
0: integral you're gonna mostly get a pass through gotcha gotcha all right i i didn't know if like you know because when it in in bows in bow manufacturing, you, you look at the specs, right? And it's mm-hmm. this draw at this weight equals you know this IBO speed, or this mm-hmm. draw at this weight and this um, you know what uh, axle to axle or wh- whatever whatever the case, maybe or the brace height equals this outcome. And I didn't know if there was a a standard. Or a, um, a, 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 I guess I guess it would just be a standard in broadhead design, especially for fixed blades. That say if you go outside of these specs, then your broadhead just won't be good.
1: There's really not any standards that I know of as far as what will work and what won't work. It's uh, basically you know there's formulas that you can pull up on the internet. That uh, will calculate kinetic energy and momentum, yeah and uh, so a lot of people look at the kinetic energy and don't pay a whole lot of attention to the momentum mm-hmm. In the archery, it's more important to look at the momentum because when you're looking at kinetic energy you're, it has more to deal with a high velocity high powered rifle and the impact that it creates. And that's your kinetic energy where momentum is like the heavier the object is, the more it takes to stop it. Mm -hmm. We are not looking at expelling all the energy into a deer or animal with an arrow, you're looking to get a pass through with it. So you want the momentum to carry your arrow all the way through and, and make two holes. So that's where a lot of people look at the kinetic energy instead of the momentum. So if you go, if you plug in the formula and use plug in the numbers in that formula, you'll notice that the heavier the arrow, the more momentum you get into a certain point, the kinetic energy will stop and your momentum will keep climbing to a certain point. So,
0: Okay, so explain this to me as a baby because I, I maybe it's over my head, what is the difference between kinetic energy and momentum? So
1: like I say, saying, the kinetic energy has to do with the energy that is coming off your bow or rifle or whatever you're shooting. So if, you, if it's traveling at say 250 feet per second, and your arrow total arrow weight is uh, say 400 grains. You're gonna impact the target or animal at a specific kinetic energy and a specific momentum. Okay. So, so like I was saying, so if you went with a lighter broadhead and raise it would raise your feet per second up say 350 feet per second. You're gonna have higher velocity, but your arrow is gonna be weighing say 250 grains and it's more apt to bounce off a rib or anything, even though it's going faster. Now you put a heavier tip on there, heavier broadhead, say a uh, 150, 200 grain broadhead and your arrow weighs 500 grains or 600 grains. It's gonna be going slower, but when it impacts, it has more momentum
0: momentum going through it and you're more apt to go all the way through the animal okay so from an archery standpoint or a bow hunting standpoint momentum is really the king that's what you're looking for
1: yes and i know a a lot of people they want the fastest bow the fastest arrow and they don't understand well bow hunting is a close range sport Begin with, and that's you're trying to get closer to the animal, and the closer the better. So, even with the fastest bows, if you're shooting a deer out there 50, 60 yards, it has a lot of chance to duck the arrow or or move from the spot that you actually was aiming for. Yeah, and here, if you, it might get there faster with a lighter arrow, but it uh, has a greater chance to just
0: wound in it instead of getting the pass through fail so when you guys design you're looking at the momentum the 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 momentum of the broadhead or whatever you're you're designing that with it that in mind right right okay all right like say the number one uh thing in design that we're
1: looking for is durability gotcha and uh once you have that, you have, you know, your, your broadhead's not going to break. So then you can, then the second thing you need to look for is uh, being able to sharpen it and and keeping it sharp. Right. And you need a, a sharp broadhead to do its job because that's what, what it does, it cuts a hole. So yeah. if you're not, if you have a dull broadhead, you know, you're not cutting the veins and arteries like you need to, you're just pushing them out of the way. So.
0: Right, right, all right, so I had a uh, one of my one of my friends works for wasp Archery, um, and he was he he said he's an engineer there and he's like, I wish i I didn't have to make a hundred grain broadheads because I, I just don't feel they're as durable. I don't feel they're they're as strong. Uh, I wish I could you know build 125s and up, but people ask for smaller, you know, these, these hundred grain broadheads all the time. What, when, when I look at your broadheads and I see 300 grains, who's, who's shooting that? Is that more of a traditional archer or is that more, is that a compound guy as well with like a carbon shaft?
1: Well, uh, if you notice people are, are starting to learn more about heavy foc front Mm -hmm. of center yeah and they learn that going with a heavier broadhead the arrows fly better they get better penetration yep and it makes the bow quieter it's easier on the bow there's all kinds of advantages doing it the only disadvantage of going with a heavier arrow is you got more drop at a certain distance Mm -hmm. but at bow hunting ranges there's not enough difference to uh, even worry about. So if you're shooting 20 to 30 yards and you jump up to 150 grain broadhead over 125 or 100 grain, you're not gonna notice that much drop. And as you know, if you got it sight, you're both sighted in for that particular broadhead, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make much difference anyway. So right. people right. are just learning learning now that going with heavier, has all kinds of advantages
0: okay and so and that's the trend right uh, FOC or what, whatever they call it you know that's the that's the the big trend now everybody seems to be jumping on board and I I'll, I'll agree with you man once I went to uh, it, it only took me the biggest year of my life to learn the lesson uh, I never recovered him. But uh, I shot, I hit him high. He survived and he was killed the next year. But I was shooting a fairly light arrow back then uh, with a big, uh, well, with a, I'm just going to say an untested at the time, a broadhead and it did not do what I, what I wanted it to. And that right there made me go, all right, I need to move everything up Uh, and not necessarily the weight of my broadhead, but the weight of my arrow is exact, like, is what I want. So, mm-hmm. and so I, I jumped everything up. I was, I think I was shooting sub 400, like in the 320s. Now I'm shooting like a 524 inch total arrow, weight arrow. And uh, it, if it's at 30 yards and I hit it right, it's going through the, you know, it's going through the right. animal. So,
1: right, yeah. Like I say, there's all kinds of advantages of going heavier, and very few disadvantages
0: yeah and so you're saying that these these uh arrows are are for the compound guy and for the the uh, uh the traditional guy as well yes okay uh
1: the uh the compound guys are are like I say learning that going heavier helps them just as much as a traditional guy that already Mostly started with heavier stuff, you know, to begin with. Yeah, they, uh, you know, a traditional bow, you're anywhere from 150 to just over 200 feet per second in in most instances. So, gotcha. You're only let's say average 170, 180 feet per second, but you're shooting a 600 grain arrow, and you get you have that momentum. it'll go right through a a deer like butter so
0: yeah yeah that and there's nothing better than watching something like that go down man i just love watching arrows go through deer i I, that may make me sound uh like a monster but it's just like as as a bow hunter there's nothing sweeter watching an arrow just go right through it yeah just disappear yep so um what's you guys are are you guys strictly just a, a broadhead company? I mean I, I see you guys make some small game heads and you make some turkey heads. Uh but like are are there th- are you guys going to take this uh, any other directions or is this just a broadhead company?
1: Well we're we're expanding to go uh more directions. Like we we have a uh an ILF riser that we make we've been making that for uh, several years now, and it, it's real popular. An ILF rise, a 13 inch riser that uses uh, ILF limbs, international limb fitting, so you can change your limbs out, different weights, and longbow recurve, different grips, low, medium, high. And uh, that's that's a real popular option that we've been making for several years.
0: So you, you guys are just manufacturing the riser. Uh, if I was like, okay, well, I want to use this riser, what, how do I get limbs? Where do I go to get limbs for this riser?
1: So there, there's several companies that make ILF limbs. Uh, some, of the, some of the best limbs uh, are made in Korea because they're big into archery and, and traditional archery and stuff. So a lot of your limbs, uh, your high-end ones will come from Korea. And there, there are several uh, limb manufacturers, smaller companies in the states that actually make ILF limbs, and uh, so you can, like, you can go from the Three Rivers Archery or a lot of places, Lancaster Archery, and and they they have ILF limbs, and you can you know select your weight and and your length and recurve, longbow. So
0: there's a lot of options you can go with okay uh and, and is this more for target or is this for anybody
1: it, it's for anybody it's hunting target uh and the nice thing about ilf is you can adjust the weight up or down like three or four pounds yeah. and you can use different length limbs let's say if you're hunting in a blind you can use short limbs and not have to worry about hitting the, the top of the blind or anything and And if you want to just target practice, you can use lightweight limbs and uh, without having to buy another bow
0: itself, you can just change your limbs and and have all kinds of options. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, man, I, after listening to this, you know, this podcast, it sounds like you guys got some, some pretty cool designs over there at, uh, at the vantage point, uh, some pretty cool heads. If there's someone listening and they're on the fence about, you know, or they're looking for a new broadhead or they're on the fence about, you know, buying a, uh, a new set of heads, why should they lean towards uh, vantage point?
1: Well, pretty much if, if they want a broadhead that's going to fly true and be extremely durable, easy to sharpen, and be able to uh, invest that, initial amount of money and be able to use it over and over and realize that uh, they're really getting their money's worth when you can use them multiple times. And uh, so, I mean, like I say, the biggest thing is looking for is durability, structural integrity. So once you have that, you know, it's going to hold
0: up through your animal and you're not going to lose your animal as long as you hit it in the boiler room. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, Jeff, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day today to hop on and and, uh, educate us on Vantage Point. Uh, If people want to find out more information about the company, where should we send them?
1: You can can just either search for Vantage Point Archery through Google or whatever search engine you want. And we're located right here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and we have a a pretty good sized presence on the internet and so if you do any kind of search for vantage point archery should pop up
0: all right and i believe that's vparchery.com is the website so if you uh, like what you heard today go check it out jeff man i appreciate your time
1: hey thanks for having me on absolutely